Well, let's get our copy of the scriptures out today and open them up to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, as we want to dive into a new series entitled A Steadfast Endurance. Um, I was never a great athlete, but I liked to play in sports. But the uh, sports that I liked to play in were more the sprint type of sports than the endurance type of sports. I was never going to be a guy in the Ironman competition or a triathlon or even a marathon as far as that goes. I didn't even really like soccer because you had to run around for 45 minutes. I was more of a hockey guy where you got out and you did your sprint and then you headed to the bench and then had a rest and went out and did it again. Or I enjoyed other sports that were like that, like basketball or uh, even um, things like volleyball. Those were the kind of games I liked because I wasn't... uh, Uh, I didn't like that long-term, enduring, hard work. Um, I remember in high school, I was okay at the 100-yard dash. Yes, I realize that just tells you how old I am because it was yards and not meters. But um, I was okay at the 100-yard dash, but I didn't want to run a mile. I didn't want to do that and uh, because I was more of a sprinter than a marathoner. I wasn't a big endurance guy when it came to sports, but as we think about the story of this book we're about to look at, we're going to look about enduring. We're going we're to learn about what does it mean to hang in there? What does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to keep on going uh, to the end? And uh, Paul in this book is a great picture and lays out some great examples for us of what it means to spiritually be an Ironman athlete or a, or a triathlete or a, a marathoner. He was the guy who stuck with it and he, he didn't give up, give up and he didn't quit. And, and he lays this all out for his dear friend Timothy in this book. Um, I think the key verse in the book is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So a little bit of background of what's going on here. Um, In this little book that Paul writes, there's uh, four chapters in this series. We're going to look at it in in eight parts. Uh, Paul is in Rome. He is in prison. It's probably 67 or 68 AD. Um, Shortly he will die for his faith. Shortly they will take him and his life will end because of his hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And he writes this letter. As far as we know, um, this is the last letter that he ever wrote. Certainly is the last letter that's recorded in Scripture. Uh, It's the last letter that he writes. And he writes it to his uh, dear friend, Timothy, his son in the faith. They are difficult days. And it's like, I get my last opportunity. I've got four pieces of paper to write my four chapters. And here's what I want to say to you, young Timothy. Here's what I want to give you. This is what you will need so that you can endure, so that you can hang in there, so that you can finish well for the glory 
of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at verses uh, 1 to 12 in a message that I've entitled, Unashamed, Our Position in Christ. If, if we're going to hang in there with steadfast endurance, it will be because we are unashamed of the one whom we are following after. So if you've got your scriptures, let's take a look. 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which is now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, uh, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and there is so much that we could look at today as we look at this text. I pray, God, that you would, through the power of your spirit, work through this message, that you would bring people where they're seated, where they're watching, Father, to get their eyes off of all the distractions around and the things going on in their home, to set the cup of coffee down for a few minutes and, and listen to your word. Listen, God, to what you have to say to us today, that we would be followers of Jesus Christ, unashamed as we persevere as we hang in there as we endure with a steadfastness for the one who saved us, Jesus Christ the Lord. Give us ears to hear your word today, God. Give us minds to be able to comprehend what we need to understand as your spirit works in us. And then, God, give us faith, faith to live these things out in trying days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul was not ashamed of his faith. He's about to give Timothy his final marching orders. He's going to tell Timothy, these are, the, these are the things, these are the last things I can say to you. If you forget everything else I say, remember these things. I think the big idea for this message today is really enduring for Christ, I will not be ashamed. In enduring for Jesus Christ, I will not be be ashamed. Twice in the passage, he tells him to not be ashamed or that he is not ashamed. We, we saw that in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And then down in verse 12, of which, of which I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. 
If you remember, when Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, uh, he wrote this in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, Peter wrote, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. God, help me to endure for the sake of Jesus Christ, and help me to endure as one who is not ashamed. So three things we want to take a look at in our text today. Here's the first one, unashamed, because we have a firm foundation. Now, Timothy, be unashamed because you have a firm foundation. Paul Whittingstall, be, be unashamed because you have a firm foundation. Hey, church, church, be unashamed because we live based on a firm foundation. Two thoughts about that. Here's the first one. Unashamed because our foundation is in Christ. Uh, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. If you ever get it right, you get it right when you understand who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us and what he has done. We are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul calls himself an apostle. Uh, he was a spokesman for God. He spoke with authority. And why? Because of what Jesus Christ had done in his life, because of what Jesus Christ had accomplished. That was his authority. That was also his mandate of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul's mandate to serve was because of who Jesus was, not anything else, not because of what he could do or because of what he could accomplish, but because of who Christ was and what he would do. His authority was Christ. The mandate was in Christ and the future hope he had was in Jesus Christ, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. A follower of Christ today, in the world we live in, in the situation we live in, in the times we live in, when things are difficult, help me, Lord, to go back to my authority, my hope, the perseverance, the strength comes because of who Jesus is. The mandate to serve and to stand and to use my life for his glory is because of who Jesus is. And then my hope, my hope is because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So Paul, as we think about this firm foundation and being unashamed, we see that the foundation, the root of it is in, is in Jesus Christ. But it grows out of relationship. Uh, he goes on, look at uh, verse two, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. To Timothy, my beloved child. You know, the first time we're introduced to Timothy in Scripture is in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul comes to Derby. He meets this young man, and um, 
we learn in this text that his grandma and his mom were followers of Christ. And the fact that in, in Acts chapter 16, it says that his mom about her faith, but his dad was a Greek. His dad probably wasn't a follower of Christ. There's no explicit statement saying one way or another. Um, but probably his father wasn't a follower of Christ. And, and so Paul takes on a role and cares for Timothy in a way that maybe only a, a father, a spiritual father can. And um, he had that relationship. Um, he was a, a disciple maker. He was an example. He was a, a mentor uh, for Timothy. And he says to Timothy, my beloved child, see the care that he has and the passion he has. God, teach me to, to do that with other people, to have that kind of care and that kind of passion for them, even when they're not pulling their weight like I'd like them to, they're not moving like I would like them to, that I would hang in there and be faithful with them. To Timothy, my beloved child. Then he says three things. He says grace and mercy and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That takes us back to the foundation piece we always saw. Um, it's interesting, though, in this text and in Titus, uh, Paul puts the word mercy in. Um, usually it's um, grace, peace, love, but mercy is added in these two personal letters that Paul writes, uh, probably because we need a lot of mercy as we seek to lead. We need a lot of mercy as we seek to endure. We need it for ourselves first. If grace is um, getting what you don't deserve, then mercy is not getting what you deserve. And so, God, help me. Help me. Um, you pour your mercy out on me. And as Paul writes to Timothy, uh, Timothy, you need, you need grace. You need lots of grace and the peace that comes from God, the peace that passes understanding, the God of peace and the peace of God from Philippians chapter four. You, you need those things, but, but you need mercy. You need mercy because as you deal with people, it's gonna be difficult. And the things that you should have got that I've, I've withheld from you, Lord, uh, uh, Timothy, you're, you're gonna need those things as you seek to help and lead other people. But Paul had this relationship with him and it's founded on these three things. Then in verse three, he says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. Verse four, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. You just, you just see in Paul his care for this young man and you, it's like, Man, I understand why Timothy could get some wind in his sails. He had the hope of Jesus Christ and he had somebody like Paul who was just pouring into him and pouring into him. And even though Paul would soon be gone, Timothy would have those memories for a long time. I, I thank God whom I serve. And he says, as did my ancestors. I, I couldn't help but think of the list of faithful people in Hebrews chapter 11, faithful people. Faithful people who've gone before. Faithful people that we can see their example. Um, and he says, I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Um, a relationship that, that made Paul, that caused Paul to be on his face before God, crying out over and over for others as well, but for Timothy. He says, as I remember your tears, probably thinking back to the last time he left Timothy and he's walking away, going to wherever his next charge would be. And, and they just had tears for each other because they loved each other so much. And do we care about people like that? Do we love people? Do we, do we pray for them night and day? Do we, do we shed a tear for them as we think about the faithfulness and the goodness and the working of God? And look down at verse five. 
I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. If, if um, in this first picture we have Paul and his uh, relationship, now we see the hope that Timothy had because of a family of faith, a literal family of faith. Timothy had a great bonus in his life. He had a, a grandma, he had a mom who loved Jesus. And they poured into him. And uh, I had those same blessings. I had a grandma and a grandpa. I had a mom and a dad who, who loved me and cared for me and prayed for me. And Timothy had that. What a huge bonus. I, I can remember people, you know, you'd go and hear some guy's testimony, how he was saved out of drugs and all the rest of that stuff. And, and you're like, man, I wish I had a testimony like that. I, I was like pretty squeaky clean in comparison. I went to church all the time. I, and, and you listen to that guy and you hear that testimony. You go, man, sometimes I wish I had to be like that. And you talk to that guy after. He goes, I wish I had what you had. I wish I didn't go through all of those things. And Timothy had that. He had this relationship. He had a grandma and a mom who poured into him. Um, maybe not his dad, uh, but he had that relationship of faith that was in his family. Um, I would just say for those of you who grew up like that, like I did, don't disregard, don't disregard that faith of your family. Be thankful for it. Rejoice in it. Um, but there are probably many who are listening and watching today. You didn't have this piece. Uh, maybe, maybe you're the first uh, follower of Christ in your family tree and you didn't have this piece of the foundation. Um, so I would just say this to you. I would say two things. First, um, you get to be the beginning. You get to be the grandma or the grandpa. You get to be the mom or the dad for the Timothy down the road. And so think about that and how God can use you and work in you in those things. But God doesn't leave us alone because he was a, uh, he was, had a, a faith in his family, but don't regard the family of faith that we have in the church. Don't disregard it, I mean, the family of faith that we have in the church of Jesus Christ. And that Paul fulfilled that role for him as well. Now think about Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us consider how you can stir one another on, uh, to love and good works. And Philippians 1, 3 to 8. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul gives to Timothy this sense of hope based on his relationship with him personally, based on don't forget about the foundation, the roots you have in your family, but then, hey, church, for all of us, whether you have those pieces or not, we have each other to lean in in small groups and in, in, in zooming back and forth as tired as we might be of that, in, in being on the phone and contacting each other as we can to spur each other on to love and, and good deeds. Be unashamed because of the faith, the firm foundation we have in our faith. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Um, if you're unashamed, you have a responsibility to fan the flame. 
If you're unashamed of what God has done for you, if you're unashamed of what, what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you, then you have a responsibility to fan the flame. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look at the text. Uh, verse six says, for this reason, I remain, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I used to read this uh, passage and I would always get folks fixed on the, what was his gift? What was the gift? What was the gift? What, when, when he says fan into flame the gift, like what's the gift? If I have the gift, I, I don't believe that's the focus. I, I, later on in the book, um, uh, Paul's going to say to, uh, Timothy's going to say, do the work of an evangelist. Um, he's going to say, preach the word. Uh, maybe those were his gifts. Maybe it was evangelism or maybe it was preaching or maybe it was showing mercy. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't really think that's the point. I think the point is fan into flame. Fan into flame the gift. Whatever the gift is, I take the time to fan in to flame. Um, fan into flame, well, what? Maybe it's your spiritual gift. Maybe during these days, your spiritual gift that you have and you know what it is is being neglected because you're feeling sorry for yourself. You're, you're feeling sorry for your life circumstances. How, how can I possibly be using this gift that God has given me? And, and you're not thinking about how you can do it. You've just kind of gone off. Of, I, guess, I guess I just got to leave it on the shelf for now. So maybe it's a spiritual gift. Maybe it's a talent that's being neglected these days because of sin that's taken root in your life. Um, maybe it's a resource that you have. And it's not being used because you don't think God will use it in these days. See, whatever that is, that gift, that talent, that resource, Paul, Paul's saying, hey, 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 fan into flame, fan into flame. Um, I can feel like that. Um, some of the uh, tools we have, the technology we have, and it's like, how can we use this during these days? How can we fan that into flame? My wife gave me permission to use this illustration of something that just happened last week for her in this past week. And uh, one of the things that Sue and I do in our role with the GCC is um, leader care and uh, reaching out to pastors and wives and how do we love on them? How do we reach out? How do we care for them? And quite honestly, after this many months, it's like, is anybody even listening anymore? And, and uh, it can be frustrating. It's frustrating for Sue. And, um, but this week I encouraged her and she did, and I was thankful for it. She sent an email out to 22 Canadian pastor wives and, um, just talked to them about what was going on and the weight of these days and, she had to discipline herself to do it. She had to fan into flame to do it because it really wasn't what she wanted to do. But she did it, and she did it faithfully. And so far, six of those pastors' wives have reached out back to her and sent notes to her, thanking her for what she's done and how God is... See, what she thought was just, who knows? Maybe God will use it. I hope so. God has used it significantly in their lives and then as they've written back to her in her own life, fan into flame. It's a great picture. Um, flames need oxygen. A campfire doesn't burn well unless there's oxygen in it. Um, we used to heat our home up in Muskoka with wood, and every once in a while, you would need to fan into flame the fire in the wood stove. And so you'd be down there with the door open, blowing on it so you could get the oxygen to the part so the fire would burn hard, or would, would burn strong. 
fan into flame. Blow oxygen on the fire. If you've ever been camping, you've been there, maybe the wood was a little bit wet and, and you got your little bundle of twigs and everything together and the little piece of paper, whatever you're using, and you, and you light it and it's not going very well. And, and so you blow on it and you blow on it because you fan into flame and the oxygen, in, it causes the fire to burn strong and then it, it goes. And that's the picture here. Fan into flame the gift you have. Fan into flame what God has given you. Um, other versions use this term. It's the same kind of idea. It's like stir up the coals, stir up the coals. If you've ever gone camping, you've gone, you had the fire at night and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you wonder if there's any heat left in your little thing, you stir up the coals. That's the picture here. If we're going to be unashamed, we have to fan into flame. We have to stir up the coals of what God has done and God is doing. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. I think Timothy probably had a timidity in his life. And Paul's like spurring him on. Timothy, 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 fan into flame. Fan into flame. What God has given you. Use it for his glory. So how do we fan the flame of our spiritual life? In these days that seem so disconnected, how are you fanning the the flame? Do you have a focus on the gospel? See, I think he's not going to give you a whole bunch of things real quick here. Do you, do you have a focus on the gospel in your life? Paul starts out this book, and it's all about Jesus and what he did and what he's accomplished. You want to fan into flame? You get your eyes fixed on who Jesus is. You get your eyes fixed on the gospel. You want to fan into flame? You deal with known sin in your life. Nothing takes the wind out of our sails for serving the Lord more than unconfessed, undealt with sin in our lives. And so if I say that and something comes to your mind, fan into flame, deal with the sin. You want to fan into flame? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Are you listening to the stories around you and people are discouraged and all the rest and you've just become kind of a bit of an Eeyore about these things? Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it will flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Do the spiritual disciplines. You want to fan into flame? Do the spiritual disciplines in your life. Uh, Get up in the morning, read the word, be in prayer, be in the word. Here's a couple of questions. Have you become sloppy in your worship? unfocused, undisciplined, maybe even the way you approach watching these services? Have you become sloppy? Fan into flame. Get your eyes fixed back on the one who deserves our allegiance, our loyalty, our passion. Fan into flame. Have you become sloppy in your giving? The giving of your time, the giving of your talent, the giving of your treasures, Have those things just kind of slipped during these days? Fan into flame. Here's another one. Fan into flame by doing what God has already revealed to you. I used to ask this question. I still ask this question a lot of me. What is it that God's showing you to do that you're not doing? You want to fan into into flame to do those things? It isn't rocket science. Here's another one. Here's a good one in these days. Fan into flame by intentional fellowship. Intentional fellowship. Um, As you're going through your life and you're taking care of your kids and your days are difficult and it's hard, fan into flame 
by being intentional in your fellowship. Uh, followers of Jesus Christ getting together, whether it's small group. I love our small group. We've been so blessed to be part of an amazing small group. And during this whole time, we've kept mating, we kept going on and all those things. And it's been, I, I look forward to Thursday nights. Lots of Thursday nights, I kind of go, oh, I'm a little tired. And it's like, I'm not missing that. I'm not missing that. Fan into flame by being in fellowship with other believers. Here's another one. Fan into flame. I wrote the words, get up and get doing. Use the opportunities God is giving you. And he's giving you opportunities. Are you using those opportunities to fan into flame what God has given you? Um, Ephesians 6 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. And then stand therefore, and he talks about putting on the armor of God. We need to make the decision to get up and get doing. A couple more. Stop believing the lies. The devil wants to tear down and destroy. Stop believing his lies and believe the truth. Whatsoever things, Philippians 4 again, whatsoever things, think about these things. If you become sloppy in your thinking, who moved? Who moved? If God feels like he's a long way off today, who moved? And so Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame. And then in verse seven, he goes on and he says, uh, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Timothy's getting this letter from Paul and he's realizing Paul's going to die and this may be the last time he ever sees him. Paul says like, bring the cloak and get here. I don't know if he ever got there. I don't know. But, but I know this Paul wanted him to come. But Timothy's got this and maybe he's starting to feel a bit like, this is too much for me. The circumstances of our day today, they're just too much for me. I can't do school at home one more day. It's too much for me. I'm not ready for this, Paul. You're telling me to fan into flame. You're telling me I'm going to be used for God. I I don't think I'm ready for this. Um, What if it doesn't work out? The Spirit of God that indwells and fills gives us the power. Look what again, what it says in the verse. It says, and God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. Perfect love casts out fear, the Bible says, and self-control. God help us. God help us. I'm unashamed when I understand I have a firm foundation. I'm unashamed when I, I see the responsibility as a follower of Christ to fan into flame. And then here's the third one. Unashamed. Unashamed people have a focused hope. Unashamed people have a focused hope. As a result of all that's gone on before in this passage, do not be ashamed. Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I already read from Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so in the text, Paul's saying, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. When God opens a door for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, are you ashamed? Do you cower away? Or do you talk about your Savior? Do you talk about your hope? Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul, in this text, he says, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of me. Um, 
Do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Um, I don't know how the, the uh, application of that maybe moves beyond the text. I think that was a, a good thing for them to see. People were, were following Paul and being faithful, and we're going to see in the text other people who weren't and walking away from him. And, and, and Paul's just saying, Timothy, please, just don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of me. Um, Paul wasn't perfect. Um, he was a man who struggled with things just like we do. He said, the things I should do, I don't do. The things I don't do, I should do. He wrestled with all those things. But for Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me. And then he says this, don't be ashamed to suffer for the gospel yourself. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And then Paul refocuses for Timothy some folk, some of his focus going forward, who saved us, who saved us. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, Timothy, because what's been accomplished for you, uh, Jesus Christ has saved us. He called us to a holy, a separated life, a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. The, the work of God's salvation from before time began is awesome to me. I come to the place of understanding I was dead in my sin. There's nothing I could do to fix it. But God knew about all that before the foundation of the world. And now I live in that reality and I come and I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I can't figure that all out. When I get to heaven, we'll get that all figured out. All I know is God knew, God did, but then God called me to a place, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but he will have everlasting life. Timothy, don't be ashamed of this good news. Don't be ashamed of this hope. Follower of Jesus Christ, we have the best news for a world that has no hope. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of it. But if you're listening and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your hope is not in who you are. It's not in what you can do. It's not in what you can accomplish. It's not how many, how many uh, check marks you can get off of your I'm a good person list. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. Look what the verse says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began. Paul goes on, he says, that's why I was appointed. Uh, for all of this work of what Jesus has done, look at verse 10, in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. He, he conquered death. He brought life and immortality to light through the good news, through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. I was appointed to these things. I was appointed to these things. Then he wraps up our section for this week. Um, which is why I suffer. Which is why I suffer as I do. Which is why I hang in there. Which is why I don't quit. Which is why I don't give up. Which is why I go on in steadfast endurance. Why? 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 Here it is. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know. I know Jesus. I know what he's done. I know what he's accomplished. 
I am not ashamed. I know who I have believed. And I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day. That day. We're looking forward to that day. But our citizenship is not here. We're looking forward to that day. I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. I know whom I've believed. I know what he has done. I know he will take care of what he has entrusted to me. And so I will be faithful and I will let God take care of the outcomes. I will endure. I will be steadfast in my endurance. Well, so what? So what? The big idea? Enduring for Christ, I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed because I have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. That is the foundation, Jesus Christ. This firm foundation in Christ is also built and strengthened around relationships and family and all that God is doing. I'm not going to be ashamed because I will see what my responsibility is. I will take it seriously who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And as Paul's getting ready to die, he's telling Timothy, fan into flame. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And have a focused hope, Timothy, unashamed with a focused hope because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the life of Paul we thank you for his faithfulness, his steadfastness, his endurance. He had, he, had, he had faith to fight. He had faith to finish. And he's going to lay out for Timothy in this book so many things, Lord. But help us get this foundation right. We are unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the good news. It's why I'll fan into flame. It is where my hope is. Oh, God, do that work in me. Do that work in us for your fame and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.